what you find at hawker centers which um i think is really really rare and unique is actually like a super diverse socioeconomic mix of families and it's incredibly nostalgic and it's totally a family tradition regardless of how um how wealthy you are so that's kind of I think one of the best things about it, it's like a bit of a normaliser in society. Today on Dirty Linen's summer series, we are continuing to talk to fun food people about some of their memorable meals. Today, we are chatting to Kim Tio, the founder of Mr Yum. I, I've been so excited to watch Mr Yum go from strength to strength, especially over the past couple of years. It's an awesome Aussie startup, female founder, and I'm super excited to have Kim with me today. Hi, Kim. Hi, Danny. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have you here. I've been, every time I use Mr. Yum, you know, uh, order, pay using your platform, I just get a little thrill from just thinking about just how well you, you're doing. It's so awesome. Really appreciate that. It's um, definitely been a bit of a big year. Yeah, well, good for you. Um, so let's celebrate by you telling me and the listeners about some of your most memorable meals. What have you got for me? I had a think back to a childhood one. Um, I grew up in Singapore uh, for, for many years before moving to Australia. And uh, one of my childhood memories around that is satay sticks at a hawker centre with we used to get watermelon juice when we were kids. Um, I think that's super nostalgic and um, something that I can't replicate at home. So that's definitely um, one for me. And then the second one was we've got a really awesome, we're in Collingwood and we've got a really awesome um, restaurant right by us called Congress. And I find them just to be like one of the best examples of what kind of food VIP experiences feel like obviously like we live right there and so we're there all the time and it it genuinely feels like we've gotten to know all the staff and um and that they continue to remember who we are so the kangaroo pastrami there is probably my favorite thing and um it's something that I've never been able to find anywhere else so um kudos to them and then the third one I think is just how well Melbourne does natural wines. Um, you know, we got on that trend probably three years ago now and um, it's been growing and growing. And then I've traveled kind of LA and, and London a lot this year and I've been terribly disappointed. Um, probably like you could go and find a natural wine shop, but you know, you'd have to go specifically looking for it as opposed to it just being on every single wine list like it is in Melbourne. So um, that would be my third one. Ah, oh, amazing. Well, I want to have a little bit of a dive into each of those and yeah, so excited to do so because yeah, I really, yeah, I would just, I love the sound of all of those things. So let's go, let's go to Singapore and talk more about hawker food. I mean, there's the hawker centers in Singapore are, are such a phenomenon. I suppose, you know, there's all different styles of them. It's, it's, um, yeah, it, I guess it's a bit different to some of the other Asian street food, which is a bit more, I guess, organic and out on the street. I guess Singapore's, you know, made that effort to make it a bit more, I guess, regulated. But the hawker centres have just got their own rhythm and, and life and, and such incredible food, hey? Yeah, it's amazing. And it's um, one of the places in the world where you can actually get like really good quality food for quite a low price point. 
as well. And so what you find at Hawker Centres, which um, I think is really, really rare and unique, is actually like a super diverse um, socioeconomic mix of families because it's not, it's not like... Um, it's not like the, you know, super wealthy family is not going to a hawker centre because it's impossible to find that food outside of a hawker centre and it's incredibly nostalgic and it's totally a family tradition regardless of how um, how wealthy you are. So that's kind of, I think, one of the best things about it. It's like a bit of a normaliser in society. Yeah, that's so cool. That's such a such a great angle on it. And I think one thing I love about it as well is that you get people who are specialist in one thing, like they're just – they just do this one thing, they do it every day, they do it amazingly and there's just a real sense of pride, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Like you definitely um, walk past some hawker stores and most of them will be run by some level of family Um, and often like the grandma or grandpa is like on the, you know, on the walk and um, the art, like the art that they've created, they don't have a recipe of, of course and they don't, really know how to explain the exact way and method that they do it but the way that they do it is quite difficult to to replicate um so yeah you're right it's like doing the same thing on repetition probably more than 10,000 times (laughs) what is um what do you reckon makes a good satay there's like definitely elements of the coal and how hot the coal is and how um how charred or burnt um the satay is to like almost like crispy but not like to the point where you think you're going to get cancer eating it um (laughs) so I think there's definitely like the perfect char and then um of course there's like the the flavor of the um meat but I think the one that's actually the most important is like the quality of the um peanut sauce that comes with it sometimes it's like super gluggy and a bit weird and other times it's like a perfect kind of consistency um that's very nutty but not not overly um gluggy so yeah it's a it's a bit of a weird one but um few components to that dish I think that like I would never ever ever be able to replicate that <laughs> and uh, tell me about the watermelon juice because I yeah I'm, I don't really know about the culture around that is that like something that you know kids always have at hawker centers like what's the deal there yeah there's always a like a fruit like a fruit juice shop and um, often they'll sell like sugarcane juice. You've seen, I'm not sure if you've seen, but like they put the sugarcane through like this big metal rolling device. Um, yeah, so you can get the sugarcane juice with like a squeeze of lemon and that's really good. But we used to get the watermelon juice and it's like two bucks for like this massive, um, almost like the kind of cup that you would get at the cinema um type vibe and it's a really big glass and it's like two dollars I guess watermelon juice is quite like watermelons are really juicy so you can get a lot out of um a a watermelon as opposed to like how many oranges you might have to squeeze or how many you know um other fruits you'd have to go through to make a juice so I think it's just one of the like more cheaply made um juices that you can sell for like a low price but um 
It's yummy and tropical. Yeah, watermelons are juice ready. <laughs> they are, they're just ready to be squeezed. Um, okay, well, that has been great to have a little trip to Singapore with you, but I am super happy to go back to Collingwood to talk about Congress. So I, I am not living close to Congress. I'm on the other side of town, but when I've been there, I I totally get that neighbourhood feeling. And it, it I think, you know, there's this since, well, I suppose over the last, you know, 15 or 20 years, it feels like every apartment development has to have a cafe or a restaurant underneath. And often they are extremely disappointing and they don't really, they don't really jive with the development itself or the neighbourhood. They're just very cookie cutter. But I think um, Congress is an amazing example of a restaurant that, uh, gels with its community and you know it's really welcoming to you know outsiders like me who you know stumble in there but it's I just think it must be so nice to you know have it as that everyone knows your name kind of place yeah it's um it's like the perfect size as well it's not too big a restaurant that you need people from out of the local neighborhood to come to like fill the space I think it's got um like a really sweet amount of room in there. And then the interesting thing is it's on Wellington street, which is like one back from Smith street. Um, and I think that restaurant would feel a little bit out of place on Smith street. Um, but Wellington street has become like the more high end version of Smith street. So it's like just one street back and a little bit less grungy and a bit more gentrified and definitely, um, like the new Gurner apartments are going up there and they're pretty expensive. And so it's actually like, I feel like Congress came at the perfect time to create the probably more high-end version of Smith Street um, and things that are popping up around it are of the same nature and of the same type. So it's almost like they've come in and they've, they've set a trend for what's going to be the kind of food and quality of service and stuff that's happening in Collingwood. So um not that the restaurants on Smith Street aren't great, but they're definitely like more, um, more, more fast casual than they are, you know, fine dining. That's so interesting. It's like, I guess what you're sort of identifying is these, the ability of a city like Melbourne to support micro neighbourhoods, and that you know things can just really shift and move in a, in a really in a really small geographical zone you can have these different kind of waves of dining styles it's really interesting yeah it's absolutely like today actually in our in our apartment right right under our building smith and daughters and smith and delhi just opened up today um and it's like you can see you can pretty much see congress from uh, Smith and Smith and Daughters. So it's like it's you know another great brand is moving into the neighborhood. The quality of the produce they've got at the deli is clearly like you know leveling up from what other parts of Collingwood might be. So yeah, it's super interesting. It's like they've they're starting to move in, and they'll Smith and Daughters will start to bring other restaurants and and great brands to the local little micro neighborhood. Yeah. That's really so fascinating. I'm so excited to check out the new Smith and & Deli and Smith & Daughters. It's just, yeah, really exciting watching Shannon Martinez just, I, I guess, reposition vegan food. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really thrilling. And um, just to be a little bit 
less vegan for a moment. I just also want to shout out to the pig's head sandwich at Congress, which is one of their signatures. And just, even as I say those words, I kind of feel like the juice of that croquette just like running down my arms all the way to my elbows. It's, um, yeah, it's insanely, and it's so juicy that they have to like warn you before you take a bite into it that it's going to explode. Yeah. But it's it's good. It's a good explosion. So yeah, um, shout out to Zach Tinsley, who's the chef there. Um, it's a really really cool place. Um, okay, and I mean, Congress is one place that you can get interesting wine. But tell me what it is about natural wine that excites you, Kim. Um, this is going to sound probably a little bit more boring than um, a normal reason, but because I'm because I'm Asian, I often get pretty red when I drink alcohol that's got um that is quite like filtered and not um it's almost like the processing of the wine uh has some kind of sulfates that I don't really mix well with um and I met someone like three years ago an Asian guy and he was telling me that um that he doesn't have the same effect when he drinks natural wine and I was like oh my god what is this thing um (laughs) So I just started getting into it and really enjoyed it. And um, now, like, you know, a normal Pinot grade feels a little bit boring um, and have just, like, enjoyed seeing how it's gone from, oh, you can find it at certain places to it's, you know, nearly on the menu at most restaurants. Um, And I I bet it's going to, like, even end up on the menu in a pub soon. Like, it's just becoming so much part of our everyday drinking it's like probably going to get fairly mainstream to the point that shows up in a pub yeah that's a good call but does it I mean physiologically does it work better for you it works so much better I can drink like yeah I can drink it like a normal person (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's really interesting I think I mean my view on it is that natural wine has um reined itself in like I think when we first started seeing it around the place it could be pretty like extreme uh whereas I think now it's like I don't know if it's the winemakers have played enough with it to to rein it in a bit more like it's a bit it's a bit more controlled so I I think perhaps that helps it become yeah a bit a bit more mainstream yeah for sure it's definitely like found a middle ground and you can still get like the overly funky stuff but um if you want to have a wine with a meal, then you can, you know, have a few glasses of pretty controlled varieties. Yeah. And maybe it's also as sommeliers and um, other service staff have have had more exposure to it, they're able to, um, yeah, guide us as diners a bit more. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, I would, if I'm somewhere that I feel like comfortable, I will totally trust any wine that anyone wants to put in front of me. <laughs> You know, like it's just a great when you build it, when you have that trusting relationship with a with a sommelier, then it's just the it's just the best thing to be introduced to new things. For sure, um, it's definitely like it's hard to get to know everyone, and half the time you forget what you're drinking. So, um, yeah, it hardly ever goes wrong as well. So definitely trust them. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Oh, well, Kim, uh, this has been amazing. I have really enjoyed coming on the memorable meal journey with you. Thank you so much for sharing some of your faves with Dirty Linen today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. 
This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.